Good morning, JICF, and good morning to any guests who might be worshiping with us today. It's so good to have you all with us. And this morning, brothers and sisters, we're going to be looking together in Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and we're going to be talking about waiting on God's answer. That's the title of our sermon today, Waiting on God's Answer. I believe all of us face problems in this life. All of us face challenges and dilemmas and and, and situations where we desperately desire to get some answers. And, And maybe you yourself are in a situation right now in your life, you are needing an answer from God. Yeah, you've got a, a challenge that is, is in front of you. You've got a problem. You've got a family issue. You've got a job issue. You have a health issue maybe. Or you, you, you know friends that do and you're, you're praying for them and you're asking God to answer and to provide a breakthrough for them, for yourself, your own family, your work situation, your health. And it's very common. And surely, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are not immune to these type of situations. We face them. Yellen and I, Yellen is my wife, we are approaching, uh, Lord willing, 16 years of marriage coming up in January of 2021. And in these almost 16 years together as husband and wife, we've had plenty of challenges, plenty of situations where we were, we were facing and we were calling on God and looking to God and waiting on Him to provide an answer to our issue, our dilemma, our problem. And one particular testimony I'd like to share with you this morning is um, about when we, we lost our first child. Yellen became pregnant, and she was a little over two months, and we needed to go to the doctor for a checkup, so this was in the morning. We, we went to our OBGYN, and, and as he was doing the ultrasound and, and, and checking her out, he, he told us, he said, the baby is not developing as it ought to be at this stage of the pregnancy, and this particular OBGYN suggested to us that he take the baby. Well, we were obviously shocked. We were not in agreement of that because we still felt like that there was life in uh, there, you know, in, in the fetus. And so we, we listened to what he said and we left and, and we were both, you know, just sad and shocked. And we said, you know, we're going to pray and we're going to seek a second opinion. We're going to Try to visit another OBGYN and see what he or she may say. And so we um, were able to uh, get an appointment with another OBGYN later that afternoon. And comes to find out that ended up being the OBGYN that delivered our first child, Brennan. And, and we have a good relationship with him now. And um, we ended up being able to make an appointment with him later that day after we visited that first doctor. And um, afternoon rolls around, and we've just been praying. We've been asking God, Lord, you know, would you have mercy, and would you would you save this child if it be your will? Uh, keep yelling healthy, but you know, Lord, if 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 it's not your your will for this for this child to live, and if you uh, sh- so desire to to take the child, 
as sad as it may be and, and, and as heartbreaking it may be, Lord, we surrender to your will. And that was our prayer, and we continued to, to pray that. And I was about two or three in the afternoon, and, and we just got down on our knees together uh, in the little living area on the second floor of our, our townhouse. We just kneeled down together, we held hands, and we just, we just cried out to God. And we said, Lord, we don't know what to do. We need an answer from you. Yeah? Is, is, is this child to live, or are you going to take this child? Lord, we need an answer. And we were in tears, just, just reaching out to God, looking to God, asking you know, for, for him to, to give us an answer. And in my experience as a Christian, almost 20 years, God doesn't always answer immediately. And there's sometimes when we do have to wait on God for an answer. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. But, dear friends, as soon as I said amen, as we were there on our knees in our little living area, holding hands, praying to God, as soon as I said amen, yelling, she said, I've got to run to the bathroom. And that's what she did. And she ran to the bathroom and, and excuse me, but she was bleeding and, and bleeding profusely. And our, the OBGYN that we were to see later that afternoon, I, I texted him, I told him the issue, and he, he called immediately. And that was such a blessing in itself. Here, he's a very busy doctor. He immediately read my, at, that, at, at this time we still use SMS, not WhatsApp, but he read my SMS and he immediately called us. He said, Jonathan Yellen, he said, go to the hospital immediately. I'm going to inform my team to prepare everything, set everything up, and I will be there shortly. And so that's what we did. We rushed to the hospital. And, and they were all ready to receive Yellen, and they, they took her back into the room, and, and, uh, and the doctor came shortly, and, um, and, and basically he, um, you know, after it was all said and done, he, by the time he had gotten there, the baby, Yellen had already miscarried. She had already had a miscarriage. And as sad as that was, and as heartbreaking as that was, um, dear friends, for us, uh, the fact that we lost our first child, we we came to a deeper understanding that our God is a God who answers our prayers. You see, we had been looking to Him. We had been asking Him, Lord, just give us an answer. What should we do? What's going to happen with this baby that's this other doctor has said is not developing as it should? We do not want to abort this baby. Lord, help us. And dear friends, he did. He gave an answer. And we praised him for that. And we praise him for that. And despite how sad and painful it was and, and, and the emotion, emotions that we experienced and the, the emotional healing that had to take place after that, friends, God has used that for his glory. See, we've been able to share with other people who have had miscarriages. We've been able to share that when we pray, when we look, when we wait on God for answers, He provides answers. Our God is not a God who is distant. He is a God who is near to us. And the Bible says He's near to the brokenhearted. And He was so near to us during that time. So it's become a testimony, dear friends, of God's goodness and greatness and love and grace. 
Oh, dear friends, when we wait on God, when we look to Him for answers, He provides. Amen? He provides answers. And we're going to see that today, how when the prophet Habakkuk was looking to God, and he was seeking God and waiting on God, how God answered Habakkuk's problem, Habakkuk's issue. Let me just set up uh, and, and give a little background and context before we, I read our text for today in Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. You see, Habakkuk was one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. Uh, he lived in the final decade of Israel's southern kingdom, which we know is Judah, And during Habakkuk's time, injustice and idolatry among God's people was everywhere. It was everywhere. And Habakkuk was deeply troubled. He was deeply burdened about it. And and much of the book of Habakkuk is is Habakkuk's lament to God about the evil and and injustice that was going on in Habakkuk's world at that time. And in verses 1 through 2 of chapter 1, Habakkuk expressed his first complaint to God when he says, How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Habakkuk is being very open and honest and real before God. He's burdened over the sin of the people who were neglecting God's law. Jewish leadership was so corrupt and wicked. And Habakkuk, God's man, was burdened and troubled. And he's he's crying out to God, God, where are you? Are you just going to allow evil and injustice just to run rapid among your people? So that was his first complaint. And then God gives his first response in verses 5 through 11 of chapter 1. After Habakkuk had expressed what he did in verses 1 through 2, God answers in 5 through 11, and he informed Habakkuk that he was raising up the Babylonians to come and attack Judah. You see, God would judge his people who had gone astray. He would judge them of their sin through this cruel and evil nation, Babylon. Well, this was a bit alarming to the prophet, and he goes on in verse 12 of chapter 1 all the way to verse 1 of chapter 2, and he raises his second complaint. So after God had said, well, hey, look, Habakkuk, I am going to judge um, my people, your people, because of their sin, but I'm going to do it through this wicked and cruel uh, just atrocious nation of Babylon. And then what, is, what does Habakkuk do? In his second point, he says, What, God, are you, are you really going to correct and punish us for our sins through these evil Babylonians? They're worse than we are. He was quite alarmed. He was quite taken back. They deify their power. These Babylonians treat humans like animals. They devour nations. You mean, God, you're going to allow them to do that to us? And finally, in verse 1 of chapter 2, where we're going to camp out for a while later and spend a lot of time, finally Habakkuk declared to the Lord, he said, I'll stand, watch, and wait for God to respond to me. 
And that's what he does. And then in verses 2 through 5 of Habakkuk 2, God does answer. God does respond. This is God's second response to Habakkuk concerning Habakkuk's second complaint. And in verses 2 through 5 of chapter 2, God informs Habakkuk to write God's answer down so that eventually God's answer could be spread among God's people. And God's answer was that, was that eventually God would bring Babylon down, and he would therefore do so in 539 B.C. And God also reminded and encouraged Habakkuk with his statement in verse 4 of Habakkuk 2 when he said, the righteous shall live by faith. You see, and what we're going to learn from Habakkuk is that even in dark times, dear friends, Habakkuk continued to cling to God. Habakkuk continued to wait for God's perfect plan to unfold. Because Habakkuk had been declared righteous by God. Why? Because he was trusting in God. And the New Testament writers and, and, and the Apostle Paul surely talks about that we are made right with God through faith. Through faith. When we do that, God declares us righteous when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. But if we've truly been made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ, shed on Calvary's cross, it, we don't just trust at salvation, trust God to forgive us of our sins and, and, and to and to save us from our sins and grant us eternal life, it doesn't stop there. But our whole life thereon is a life of trusting God. And whether or not we truly have been made righteous, we truly have faith that the Bible talks about is when we go through difficult times, when we can't really see, quote-unquote, the light at the end of the tunnel, but yet we're still holding on to God, we're still clinging to Him, we're still waiting on Him, and we believe His promises, which the Bible says are yes and amen. Right, church? That's faith. And that describes the person that's been made righteous by faith in the Lord. Habakkuk had that. Well, let me read for us verses 1 through 3 of Habakkuk chapter 2. I'm reading from the New Living Translation of God's Word. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. The vision is for a future time it describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Let's pray together, church. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And God, we ask and we believe that your word is going to go forth now according to your perfect plan and will for the edification of your church and for any those that are out there today who have not been made righteous by faith in Jesus Christ, that you would speak into their lives, and we ask, O oh God, that you would bring them to yourself by your Spirit as they trust in your Son. Help your servant, 
May the words of his mouth, the meditations of his heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. Friends, if there's, if there's one overarching theme that I hope you can see from this text as we go through it and unpack it together, it is that God's answer will come as we look to him and wait on him. God's answer will come, dear friends, as we look to him and wait on him. So if you, if you don't remember anything else, okay, remember that. Remember that. But I'm going to give you some more meat here from this text because there's a lot more meat that we uh, need to look at together. Then there are two, there are two more sub-themes that we can see from this text as we, as we exegete it and go through it and, and draw from it. And that is, and we see this uh, kind of more sub-theme in verse 1, we see faith in action. We're going to see Habakkuk putting his faith in the Lord. We're going to see him put it in action. We're going to see him apply it in verse 1. And then secondly, in verses 2 through 3, uh, another major uh, sub-theme would be faith is therefore rewarded. And we're going to see that in verses 2 through 3. Now, under the first kind of sub-theme, faith in action, there are three attitudes of faith that I want us to have a look at together. Three attitudes of faith. Because at the end of the day, if we're able to look to God and wait on God, particularly during difficult times when we have a problem, friends, then that means we are exemplifying these attitudes. And I hope and pray that, that each and every one of us, if we're not already, that after today's sermons, that it, particularly when we're faced with a problem in life or the problem that you're facing right now, that you would begin to put these three attitudes of faith into practice. And as you do, I believe God will answer your cries. God will come to you and give you the answer that you're so uh, desperately seeking. So, after... After Habakkuk expresses his second complaint, really, God, you're going to allow these evil Babylonians to come and destroy us? He, he makes a commitment. And at the beginning of verse 1, he says, the prophet says, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. The first attitude of faith that we see exhibited by the prophet Habakkuk here in this text, friends, is he commits his problem to God. And dear friends, that's what we need to do. That is the attitude of faith that we need to exhibit when we're, when we're going through a difficult time, is we need to commit the problem to God. The prophet writes here, he says, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. Now, why was the prophet going to climb up to a watchtower at this juncture in time? Well, obviously a watchtower is elevated. Yeah? It's, it's not on ground level. And if you climb up to a watchtower, just like a military person would do, if they climb up to a, on a watchtower, they're able to get a broader view of the landscape to see and have a better picture if enemy attackers are making their way to the base. 
And see, that's what Habakkuk was doing. He was going up. He was separating or detaching himself from the problem, the problem of an imminent attack on Judah by this wicked nation called Babylon. You see, friends, if we stay on the ground when we're going through a problem, quote-unquote, and we just keep thinking over and mulling over the problem, and we don't detach ourselves from the problem, we don't get up on our watchtower and get down on our knees and look to God, friends, we will be worried, we'll be anxious, and we surely will not be able to see and recognize the answer or the solution that God wants to give us to our problem. And I know that's a challenge. Because when we're going through a difficult time, the human tendency, the fleshly tendency, is to think it over and over and over again. But that's when we have to pray and ask God to help us. Lord, help me to detach myself from this problem. Help me to commit it to you by faith, to entrust it to you. I know it's hard. But we have to ask God to help us. And we have to make a commitment. We have, to, we have to do, as the Bible says in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, when it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on, on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your path right. We have to claim that promise. Lord, I'm going to trust you. This problem, it doesn't make sense right now. To Habakkuk, it surely did not make sense that, that these Babylonians who were more cruel, more evil than, than the people of Judah, than Israel, God was going to use them? To judge his people? It didn't make sense. But you see, Habakkuk didn't try to make sense of it all. He didn't want to lean on his own understanding. What did he do? He went up to a watchtower. And he stood at his guard post. And he looked to God. He didn't look at the problem. And he waited on God. Stood there. Waiting. Watching. Believing. God was going to act. Do you believe this morning that God is acting in the midst of your problem, of your struggle, of your trial? Maybe this morning you just need to you need to detach yourself. You need to finally say, "Lord, I cannot overcome this issue. I don't have the answer, but I know the one who does." And I'm giving it to you. And whatever you decide to do, however you decide to answer, I yield to that. I know it's for my good because you work for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And as the psalmist says in Psalm 123, verses 1 to 2, I'm just going to lift my eyes to you, O God, who's enthroned in heaven. And I'm going to keep looking to the Lord, my God, for your mercy. Just as servants keep their eyes on their master, as a slave girl watches her mistress for the slightest signal. Lord, I'm just going to fix my eyes on you and not on my problem. Can you say that right now, dear friend? Can you do that right now? I don't know what you're going through, but you do, and God surely does. And He cares. He's concerned. He's in it. But we've got to do our part. We've got to commit the problem to Him. 
detach ourselves from the problem and just look to God. And then secondly, the second attitude of faith that I want us to see here from this text is, dear friends, we have to expect an answer from God. Expect an answer from God. We commit the problem to Him, and then we expect Him to answer. Look at what the prophet says there as we uh, continue on through the rest of verse 1 of chapter 2. The prophet says, Habakkuk writes, There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. There was no doubt in Habakkuk's voice. He was waiting. He was expecting God to answer. He was looking, and he kept looking to God for the answer. And he was going to stand his guard post until God answered. Friends, how often do we, we've got a situation, yeah, we have a problem, and we pray, and then we just forget about it. Yeah? And we fail to keep looking. We pray, perhaps, but we aren't really certain that God's going to give an answer in God's perfect timing according to God's perfect plan. Friends, that's not faith. We get on our knees and we pray and ask God to answer, and then we get up off our knees and start worrying about the problem again. Friends, that is dishonoring to God. Because it's not exhibiting biblical faith. Dear friends, we pray to God because we expect Him to answer. And He wants to answer. He is a God who answers. Because He loves us. Oh, dear friends, if we're in Christ Jesus, the very hairs on our heads are numbered. He loves us. He's our Heavenly Father who takes care of us. Do you believe that this morning? He is for you. And because He's for you, who can be against you? We have to expect an answer. Now, what are some ways that God answers? Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but for time's sake, I'm going to give you three ways that God answers our prayers. Okay, Three ways that God answers our prayers. Well, God answers our prayers when we look to Him, when we wait on Him. He answers through His Word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, the Bible says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Okay? God speaks to us through His Word, through the Bible. Okay? And it's this Word that, that teaches us what we need to do. It informs us. It corrects us. It reproves us. And it trains us in righteousness. Oh, dear friends, if we've got a problem right now, but we're not 
spending time daily in God's Word. And as we open God's Word, we ask, God, would you speak to me? Would you just so happen today through what I read from your Word? Would that be the answer that I'm looking for? Dear friend, are you doing that? Are you putting that into practice? We don't just open God's Word and just read. But when I, man, when I open God's Word, I'm expecting God to speak to me. Are you doing that? Oh, dear friends, God answers our prayers through His Word. Secondly, God answers our prayers by His Spirit into our mind and into our spirit. Amos chapter 4, verse 13, part A, the Bible says, For the Lord is the one who shaped the mountains, stirs up the winds, and reveals His thoughts to mankind. If you've been walking with the Lord long enough, you've been praying about something, you've been seeking God's uh, counsel, seeking God's answer on a, on a certain issue or, or a problem, and you, you keep looking to God, and sometimes God will just put a thought in your mind. He'll just speak into your spirit. The deepest part of us that, that connects with God, that, that loves and cherishes God, He'll just speak into our spirit and we'll just know oh yeah this is what i need to do or this is what i don't need to do i'll give you a brief example i'll give you a brief example uh several years ago i was working for a company and and i was in my office and i had my team my little team that i had we would have morning devotion in my office almost every day, and we were finishing up our morning devotion, me and my, my small team at that time, and I heard this wail, this, this screaming coming from outside of my door like across the hallway. Well, I didn't know exactly what that was at the point, and um, I, I, I got up from our devotion had finished up, and I, I needed to excuse myself to go to the toilet, and so I, I told my friends, excuse me for a moment. When I got up, you know, the screaming was more loud and loud. And at that point, I knew what was happening. Uh, that, that some, and it sounded like a woman screaming, and I knew she was under an, an evil attack. She was under an evil attack. And so I walked to the bathroom and, and, and went in the bathroom, and it was just like the Lord said to me, Jonathan, I want you to go pray for that woman who's, who's under evil attack. And I kind of went back and forth with God for a minute. I said, really, Lord, seriously? I mean, you know, what if it doesn't work? Like, what if I pray over her in Jesus' name and, and nothing happens? And, and God just gave me such a confidence, and not in me, of course, but in him, that he was going to work through me to deliver this, this poor lady who was under a demonic attack. And I just, I said, Lord, okay, I'm going to look to you. You please help me. You've told me you are, and I know that you will. And so I went out of the restroom, and I just went into that little room they were in. It was her and some other, a few other folks, none of them followers of Jesus Christ. I didn't ask permission. I just got down on my knees, and I, and I, and I extended my arm, and I prayed over her in the name of Jesus. And, 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 and the, the demonic spirits that were attacking her, that were causing her to uh, yell and scream, and her eyes were flipped up in her head. And, uh, and I said, I told her, I said, you, I said, you come out and you stop in the name of Jesus. And as soon as I said that, it wasn't a long prayer. She stopped screaming. 
her eyes went back down to normal position and, and she was totally exhausted at that point. And I said, it's okay. I said, Jesus has helped you. And, and Jesus Christ, Esau Almasi, has, uh, has delivered you and you're fine now. And she was fine after that. But God just spoke to me to do that. I wasn't planning to do that. Uh, if I could have, you know, gotten out of that and someone else do it, somebody else do it. But God's Spirit spoke into me that morning and said, no, Jonathan, you're the instrument, you're the vessel that I'm going to use in this situation to deliver this poor lady who was under demonic attack. God speaks to us by His Spirit into our mind and spirit, dear friends. And then thirdly, God speaks to us through His providential alignment of our circumstances. God speaks to us, gives us answers through providentially aligning our circumstances. I mean, just look at Jonah in the Bible. Yeah, the story of Jonah. I mean, God had clearly told Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach repentance there. And what does Jonah do? He goes the opposite way to Tarshish. Well, what does God do? God aligns the circumstances providentially to ultimately get Jonah to Nineveh, doesn't he? In Jonah chapter 1 and verses 15 through 17, the Bible says, Then the sailors picked up Jonah, picked Jonah up, and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. The Lord arranged. The Lord arranged for that fish. You see, Jonah needed an attitude adjustment. Ultimately, he needed to repent. He needed to repent. He needed to get right with God. And he did inside that fish. And ultimately, he went, he went to Nineveh, and he carried out God's plan for him. You see, God will do that. And I'm sure if you've, again, you've been walking with the Lord long enough, you've been praying about something, God will just align your, the circumstances of your life in his providence to get you where he wants you to be and to provide that answer that you have been looking for and praying about. Amen? Our God is good, and he is so providential to us. Well, the third attitude of faith that I want us to see quickly, yeah, is we need to watch and wait for the answer. Watch and wait for the answer. We have to, after we've committed it to the, to the Lord, after we expect Him to answer, then we watch and wait for the answer, yeah? And we watch and wait persistently and patiently for God to answer, you know, this, the testimony that I shared uh, at the beginning of the sermon about um, our first miscarriage, that all happened pretty, pretty fast. Uh, we didn't have to wait a long time. But there have definitely been other situations in, in Yellen and, and I's life where we've been praying about something, and, and we're waiting. I mean, even today, we've been praying about something that we're still praying about now that we're still waiting for God's answer. So it doesn't always happen immediately. But it happens in God's perfect timing. Because uh, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, Isaiah 55 tells us. Yeah, so we have to be persistent. Don't give up. Keep waiting. Keep trusting. And, and we keep believing that God is always true to his word and that his promises never fail. That's so important that we hold on to that and believe that, church. Yeah. 
You see, Habakkuk, he, he took the problem to God. He committed it to the Lord. Then he kept looking to God as he trusted God to answer him in God's timing. The Bible says in Lamentations 3.25 about waiting on the Lord. It says, The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. That word to wait means to keep looking to God, clinging to God, hoping in him. The Bible says in Isaiah 40 in verse 31, I'm sure a verse that probably many of you have committed to memory by now. Isaiah 40 verse 31, the Bible says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen? Isn't that a wonderful verse? Yeah? When we wait on the Lord, when we keep trusting Him, yeah, that He's going to provide an answer that we've been looking for, eventually it's going to come and God's going to renew our strength. And I know you can say amen to that. You've had experiences in your life, church, where you've been praying and waiting on God to answer, and when He does, it's renewed strength. Your, your faith goes to the next level because you realize, man, God is good. God loves me. God's involved in my life. Yeah, and, and, and then it becomes a testimony we can share to others about how good and great God is for His glory. Well, we've seen faith in action by Habakkuk. And because Habakkuk put faith in action in verse 1, and he carried out these attitudes of faith, we see in verses 2 through 3, his faith was rewarded. God rewarded Habakkuk's faith. In verses 2 through 3, let me read it quickly. Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets, so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place, and it will not be delayed. God answered Habakkuk. As Habakkuk went up to that tower and stood at his guard post, and he looked to God, and he waited for God, and he expected God to answer, God gave an answer. And what was God's answer? God says, here's my answer. I want you to write it on a tablet, because eventually I want it to be spread among my people. And God's answer was what? Eventually, he was going to take down the wicked and evil Babylonians. God judges sin, and Babylon was responsible for their evil, cruel um, actions and for their sin against the Holy God. And God was going to judge them because God is just. God is fair, dear friends. And that was the answer that Habakkuk got, that he had been looking to God for. God provided that answer. His faith as he trusted God. I know you're going to answer. I'm going to wait until you do. God did answer. And he said, don't worry, Habakkuk. I'm going to take care of Babylon. I'm going to take care of Babylon. I'm going to judge them. And eventually, friends, because of Habakkuk's experience with God, waiting on God, looking to God, waiting for God to answer, eventually Habakkuk had a story, had a testimony to tell after this time of waiting. What does he say at the end of his book in verses 17 through 19 of chapter 3? I know you know these verses, and aren't they so encouraging? Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. After this time of waiting, Habakkuk and God answering, Habakkuk was able to say, 
even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. You see, through that time of trial and problem and learning to trust and cling and look and wait on God, and then God finally answers, what happened to Habakkuk's faith? It went to the next level. He learned about what joy in the Lord really is. Joy in the Lord is not based on our circumstances, not based on what's going on around us. That's what he means in, in verse 17. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, there's no grapes on the vine. My joy, my pleasure, my satisfaction is not in the things of this material world, but my joy, my satisfaction is in God. He was able to come to that resolution. And he was able to come to the resolution that the sovereign Lord is his strength. And no matter what it, how, how unstable his world around him seemed with the imminent attack of Babylon on Judah, the prophet was able to say, He, God, makes me as sure-footed as a deer able to tread upon the heights. Oh, dear friend, can you say that this morning? Maybe the problem that you're facing is still there. You don't have an answer yet. But can you say, like Habakkuk, my joy is in the Lord. I rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer. Even the uncertainties with the pandemic still going on, even the uncertainties of the economy and all so many other things, can we, because we're looking to God, we're trusting in Him, we're clinging to Him, we're waiting on Him, we can say, I'm like a deer on the side of the mountain, on the picture there on the screen, even though things seem unstable, I'm going to be so sure-footed because my hope and trust is in God who is faithful and true. And friends, when we do that, and then God answers, and we experience a breakthrough, guess what? You and I will have a story to tell about. Just like at the beginning of the certain, I was able to share another God story to you all, even though it was tough at the time for Yellen and I. But through that, we learn to trust God more. Through that, we learn that God, when we look to Him and wait and cling, God answers that He's near and He loves us so much and He's working for our good and His glory all the time. Oh, dear friend, if you are struggling today, don't lose hope. You detach yourself from your problem. You get up on your watchtower. You get on your knees and you say, Lord, I'm giving you my issue. I'm giving you my problem. 
I know you're working even though I can't see it. And I'm expecting you to answer because you're not a God who leaves us us in limbo. You're not going to leave me in limbo. You're not going to leave me lingering. You love me too much to do that. But I'm going to wait on your timing. I'm going to keep looking for the answer. Speak to me, God, so that when you do, I'll have a story to tell for the glory of your great name and the advancement of your kingdom. Let's pray, church. Hallelujah. Praise be to your name, O God. Your name that's above every name. You are good and gracious and kind. You are almighty. You are just. You are merciful and gracious. You are worthy of all our praise. We praise you and thank you that you're a God who speaks. You're a God who answers our prayers when we wait on you for those answers. And I want to pray right now, Lord, for those listening who are in a problem, going through various trials, situations. Oh God, I pray, Lord, that they would learn even more to put faith in action, to commit the problem to you, to expect you to answer, and then to wait patiently and persistently for you to do so. And then as they do, Lord, ultimately in your perfect timing, your perfect way, you'd reward their faith. You would give them that answer. They would be blessed to be a blessing. They'd have a story to tell to others about how good and great you are. And that you're a God who cares. You're a God that loves your children. Oh, be with these brothers and sisters. Lord, if there's anyone out here today that's, that's never truly put their trust in you, they've not been made righteous by the blood of Jesus because they've yet to repent of their sins and put their trust in Jesus, oh Lord, Holy Spirit, right now, would you touch them in the name of Jesus, Lord, and draw them unto yourself so they would get up close and personal and keep getting more up close and personal with a God who, loved, who created them and who loves them and who has a good plan for them and who's there for them. Oh, would they open their heart right now? The Bible says to all who received him, to those who gave the right to become children of God, would they receive Jesus right now and become children of God in the name of Jesus? How would you bless this body? Help us to be a people, Lord, that always wait on you. Always wait on you. In Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. Amen.